0: If you found Hebrews chapter 4, why don't you stand and we'll read together God's Word. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 1 and read down to verse 13. It is a complicated passage. There's a command in verse 1. There's a command in verse 11. We'll use the rest to illustrate those commands in those two verses. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's begin right there in verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still remains... FOR HE HAS SOMEWHERE SPOKEN OF THE SEVENTH DAY IN THIS WAY. GOD RESTED ON THE SEVENTH DAY FROM ALL OF HIS WORKS. AND AGAIN IN THIS PASSAGE HE SAID, THEY SHALL NOT ENTER MY REST. SINCE THEREFORE IT REMAINS FOR SOME TO ENTER IT, AND THOSE WHO FORMERLY RECEIVED THE GOOD NEWS FAILED TO ENTER BECAUSE OF DISOBEDIENCE, AGAIN HE APPOINTS A CERTAIN DAY TODAY, SAYING, THROUGH DAVID SO LONG AFTERWARD, IN THE WORDS ALREADY QUOTED, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Father, help us in the name of Jesus. I pray that the same Holy Spirit that inspired these words would now give us illumination to understand and apply. May the things I say represent accurate and only what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Before I even read the Bible today, we prayed for what's going on in Ukraine. If you're you're at all like me, you've been watching it and following it with some apprehension, all of the events unfolding there. We can do that because modern technology has made it so that we don't have to wait on the news. We don't even have to wait on video to get here. We can see it in actual, real time. Thousands of people with with cell phones are letting us see what's going on. WE CAN SEE IN REAL TIME INDIVIDUAL ACTS OF BRAVERY ON DISPLAY. WHETHER IT'S THE PRESIDENT WHEN HE WAS OFFERED, AMERICA OFFERED TO GET HIM OUT OF THERE AND THE PRESIDENT OF UKRAINE SAID, I DON'T NEED A RIDE, I NEED AMMUNITION. WHETHER IT'S THE PRESIDENT OR, OR SOLDIERS OR REGULAR CITIZENS. I READ ONE STORY WHEN an OLDER WOMAN WALKED UP TO A RUSSIAN SOLDIER and said you need some sunflowers in your pocket so that when they bury you, they'll not see where the flowers come up. That's a tough woman right there. <laughs> you hear some of that and it's inspiring, but, but uh, and, and, you, know, you think, wow, that is such courage in the face of, of invaders. We also have seen pictures of Christians gathering here and there to pray I read of one pastor that was uh, preparing his sermon yesterday. As I was preparing mine, I read about him preparing his on the same day. And what he said was, in the city where he lived, that if I have a church building in the morning, if we still have a building, we'll have church. Getting his sermon ready with that on his mind. That was not what I was thinking yesterday. See small groups gathering to pray, and see video of one family in their own home Singing together, all the the kids and dad and grandparents singing the song, He will hold me fast, as mortar rounds fall in the near distance. They are Christians that are living free right now, right now, but they're facing genuine oppression and possibly death, and they are not unlike the people getting the book of Hebrews. For the very first time beyond nationalism beyond patriotism what what is it that builds a faith like that and how do you get it because i certainly want it i want the kind of christianity that's fearless and and, and calm and and trusting i want the kind of christianity that's that's quietly joyful even when the world I know is at war. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're gonna need. As the ground, as the ground continues to shift underneath our feet, just just look north. Look 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 across the border at what's happening in Canada or look west in our own country out to California, or, or look east, northeast into Washington, or, or just look down the road in your own county at the public school board. Turn on the television and watch the Olympics. And all around what you see is that we are standing on a shrinking island of morality. And the temptation... Temptation will be either to fade into it or to fit into the culture or to argue. Man, do we like to argue. And none of those, none of those options reflect what a Christian does. Our activism, and we are activists, our activism is found in prayer and not in politics. Our trust is in God and not in a government. And our home is in heaven and not on earth. I think that's why, honestly, I think that's why Hebrews is so important for our moment in this time. As the preacher calls his little flock, now remember this book is a letter written by a man who was a preacher to a church. The people he's been serving as their pastor. He's calling his little flock to hold fast, to stand fast, to trust God, to live the gospel. And here, uh, once again in chapter 4, the preacher now is bringing uh, focus from events out there. Look, I started the sermon with events out there. He brings focus from events out there, and he turns the focus inward to what's happening in here. Now look, before we dive off into a cultured war, we need to first fight a spiritual war with ourselves. Let's find out from the Bible, let's find out what kind of Christians we're going to be because in Christ, we need to get the right things right. If you want to know what this sermon's about in Christ, we need to get the right things right. Let's go to the Bible. Let me show you what I mean. There are two commands here in this passage one in verse 1, one down in verse 11. I'm just going to have two points. I'll use those two commands as the points that come right out, of the, right out of the Bible. Here's the first one. Number one, we need to fear the right things. Fear. What are you going to be afraid of? I'm not saying you shouldn't fear. There are some things you should fear, but they need to be the right things. Right there in the text, verses 1 and 2, the preacher has a great fear that the people that are his church members, people he knows, like the young men that were baptized here today, he knows them. He was afraid that his own church members were actually missing the gospel. Look at the statement he makes in verse 1. He makes a statement in verse 1. and backs it up with the Old Testament in verse 2. Verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear unless some of you, he's talking to the church, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. What does it mean to, to, to enter into rest? What is he talking about there? When he brings up the idea of rest, it is an Old Testament word he's brought forward into the New Testament, and he's appropriating the understanding of salvation. What does it mean to trust Christ, to be in Christ, to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, resurrected, reigning in heaven, and putting your faith in that, uh, resting in that. Now, when when you think of it like that, go back with it in verse one, with me to verse one. While the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. It is what? The rest. He's afraid that some of the people in His church, although in the church, have not actually put their faith in Jesus. And He's saying, look, while we are still on earth... While you still have ears to hear and a heart to believe, there is still an opportunity for you to put all of the weight of who you are on Christ. Most of you have settled that in your heart. You're already, I mean, not only are you a member of Hickory Grove, you, you've put your faith in Jesus. You are trusting in the finished work of Christ for salvation. You've got that. You have, you have rested in the free grace of the gospel so if that's the case then you and i we we must not be complacent with one another this is a congregation there's a reason that we did baptize uh, baptism this morning right here on a sunday morning in front of everyone it was not to show off it was not to get enthusiasm i was so glad to hear you celebrate but that really wasn't why we do it here we do it in front of the congregation that says, symbolically, those young men have joined you. They are now a part of a family. And you have given witness to that. And now because of that, you are able to hold those young men accountable. A congregation. There are thousands of people whose names are on the roll at Hickory Grove that have not been here And that should bother us not as resentment it should be should be like the the preacher here in verse 1 we need to be afraid of that who who do you need to have you know what what are you afraid of here's what we are afraid of we're afraid of having an awkward conversation we are afraid of bringing something up we are afraid oftentimes of, of offending which I understand why, I mean, everybody is offended about everything all the time right now uh, in the world we live in, but we get afraid of actually offending someone or it being awkward or, or, or getting in someone's business. Look, brothers and sisters, when you join a church and you're on a roll together, you, you're the body of Christ, you now are actually one another's business. We are concerned about one another. The people in our, con- in our congregation, I mean, in it, it, in our congregation, who are those? I mean, you could, you could probably bring up names right now that you haven't seen in months, maybe years, and you know that they're still on the roll at Hickory Grove. Who do you need to reach out to? What are you afraid of? The preacher here says, let us fear. <clears throat> we need to be afraid unless one of us seems to have failed to actually be in Christ. Think about your children. What are we afraid of raising our children? When we think about our children, we fear a lot of things. Right now, 2022, with newborns, a lot of you families have newborns or grandchildren, and we fear what kind of world they're coming up in. We, just by the way, most parents have always thought that through all generations. What what kind of world they're coming up in? But it does seem like right now the world is such a dangerous, foreign place to many of us, especially if you're a a Christian. And so we fear. We, we want our children to grow up um, sensing that they are loved, they are confident, that they're happy. We want our children to be well-adjusted, to be good at things, to be successful. So we go to great lengths. <clears throat> we, we make all kinds of sacrifices for our children, and it is right and good to do that. You should. That's what parents do. We, we do... All kinds of things. We buy vehicles just so we can transport our children. That's why you can't have a good car. you have children, and you you willingly, gladly do that to get them where they need to be. A lot of Saturdays, you feel like a taxi. That's what you're doing. Those are good and right things to do. But listen, let us not be so overwhelmed with the fear of our child missing out on something that we don't pay attention to the fear of making sure they grasp and know the gospel. And the preacher here says, look, look, we are at war. And we need to be afraid. Here's a guy whose church, who knows if it survived or not. We don't know. And he's not concerned with how well adjusted the people will be. He wants to know, what about their soul? We, We need to be afraid and concerned about their souls above everything else. So what do we do? We, we, should, we should go to extraordinary lengths to lovingly press the gospel into the souls of the people that we know. We should take another step and reach people that we are afraid, verse one, might may not be resting in Christ. I mean, the same is true for, for who you're married to or who you're friends with, who your church friends are, who your school friends are. Pressing the gospel, making sure that we as a congregation, are carrying one another's burdens and taking each other to the cross where you find the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the healing power of Christ. It's the point the preacher makes. And to to back it up, he takes us to the Old Testament in verse 2, and he says in verse 2, just like we heard good news, people in the Old Testament heard good news. Is what he says in verse 2. Good news came to us, just as to them, people in the Old Testament. But the message they heard didn't benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. The message was no good because they didn't believe it. The message was good news. What did uh, the Lord say to Moses, Exodus 34? The Lord said to Moses, The Lord passed before him (coughs) and proclaimed the Lord... The Lord God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And verse 7 goes on to say, and forgiving sins and iniquity. And the preacher here, his point is, they heard a message of grace and didn't believe it. You know what you, when you read verse two, 1 and 2, you find out several things. <clears throat> one thing you find out is, God is always saved by grace through faith. Always. It's never been a Old Testament was work salvation, New Testament was now grace. God has always saved by grace through faith in Jesus. I mean, even with Abraham, how was, how was Abraham saved? Abraham believed, had faith, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. In the Old Testament, look forward to Christ. All of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus whether it's types or prophecies or names, all of that is, or systems, the sacrificial system pointing to Jesus. For us, past the New Testament, we are looking back to Jesus. Old Testament saints were saved by looking forward to the work of Christ. Here, post-New Testament saints, we are saved by looking back to what Christ has done. It's always been by grace through faith in Jesus. Not only that, The only appropriate response to the gospel is to trust. You wonder how you're going to be saved. You're going to be good enough. Is the church going to fall in when I walk in? Um, Do you feel like you've sinned in such a way you've maybe lost your salvation? And and don't forget, the only right response to the gospel of grace is trust. Something else in verse 2 reminds us, that simply hearing it, let's say you grew up in this church, you've been to church your whole life, and you know the whole routine, you know the system, you know where to sit, you know all of it, you may even know the songs. Verse 2 tells us simply hearing it, simply hearing the gospel, even saying you believe it, isn't enough. There must be something that happens some sort of change in your life. Same good news. What good news news am I talking about? Let me see if I can give you the explicit gospel. We would say it like this at Hickory Grove, that God is holy, the holy creator who created everything here, including you, and created you, men and women, in his image. That image of God in us has been disfigured by our own sin. So we are separated from God. God is holy. We are sinners and that fellowship is broken. We are not only far away from God, we are actually dead in sin and in need of new life. God is just and punishes sin, but is also loving and kind, and He sends Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. Jesus comes and lives perfectly and, and earns righteousness. He is righteous, but He, as a man, earned the righteousness of God by being perfect, keeping all the law. And when he goes to the cross, what he does is the great exchange. When you believe in Jesus, he takes your sin and he gives you his righteousness. Takes the punishment for sin, even unto death, to show that it is accepted. God raised him from the dead. He has ascended into heaven and now reigns as Lord of all. And the way you make that your own is you put your faith in Jesus We want to make sure every person that calls themselves Christian at Hickory Grove, we need to fear lest some appear to not have gone into that rest. That's a command. There's another command here in the passage. It is a worrying command. Verse 1 is one command. Verse 11 is the second command. It'll be the basis for my second point. Number 2, we need to not only fear the right things, we need to work For the right things work the operative word in verse 1 was fear the operative word for verse 11 is to strive two commands let me show it to you in verse 11 notice what he says therefore let us therefore strive to enter let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience rest what do we mean by that rest what is the what is the first? We've we got to get a, a handle on it. So that's where we have to take verses 3 through 10. It's complicated and knotted up. I won't spend a lot of time untying it, except just to give you the sequence of events in verses 3 through 10. You can follow it in your Bible if you'd like to. Verses 3 through 10 looks back to the Old Testament and speaks about the disobedience of Israel in the Old Testament and their lack of faith and trust in the finished work and the clear pattern of God that He set down in creation. Verse 3 and 4 gives us the picture of the Sabbath rest in creation and speaks of the finished work of God from the very foundation of the world. Verse 3, verse 4 speaks of the pattern of God. Six days of work, seven is a Sabbath, and He rested. Drop down the page to verse 8. We're told in verse 8, that Joshua, the great leader, he was not able to actually give the people rest. In verse 8, verse 9, speaks of the Sabbath rest that is still there, that remains. Verse 11, and I'm going quickly, verse 11 says, okay, then let us, right now, today, let us, as God's people in Christ, Enter that rest. Joshua, which means Yahweh saves, is the same name, Jesus, Yahweh saves. What the first Joshua couldn't do for us, the true and better Joshua, Jesus has done for us. And genuine rest for our souls is there. Rest. Your soul needs rest. Rest means a, 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 a ceasing from the frenzied struggle, the clawing, the worrying, the fretting. Rest is the peace of God. When Jesus preached, what he said to the people was, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the amazing thing is that the, the command in verse 11 is, is the command to strive, which Is a weird thing to say because we're talking about rest. We're trusting the finished work of Jesus, but the command is to to be disciplined and have have this dogged attitude of of I'm gonna do this, I'm going to grace no matter what. Brothers and sisters, this is this is this is soul work. Your body needs rest, and a lot of you are tired. You've been tired. But just as your body needs rest, your soul needs peace and and, and healing and repairing. Restoration. And this morning, you need to claim this rest, this, this finished work of God found in Christ, in His perfect life for your sinful life, in His love for your bitterness, in His righteousness, for your disobedience, his compassion, for your hardness, his empathy, for your ignoring, his death on the cross for your forgiveness will give you rest. Okay, okay, I see the command, strive for rest. So my next question then is, when I'm, if I'm studying this, I'm asking, all right, I want that rest, how do I get it? What do I need to do to get it, I think the, the verses 11 and 12, excuse me, verse 12 and 13 hold the key to striving for rest. Join me there. This is familiar to you if you've ever been to a church that talks about the authority of the Bible. Usually, Hebrews 4:12 becomes the proof text for the power of the Word of God. It is that, but many early Christians read this and understood it when he said, "The Word of God." He was talking about Christ. Just like John in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Take that idea put it here. I think it can mean both. This is what the text says. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see the adjectives, living and active, Zoe, to have energy, life. What did Jeremiah say about the word of God? Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like fire declares the Lord and like the hammer that smashes the rock? What is is God's word? What is Christ gonna give you? Rest for God's people is found in, in God's word. You read the Bible, you'll find conviction there. you will bring you to confess your sins. Find, you'll find comfort there. It's going to give you strength for the next day. It's going to be a calming influence on your life as you think about and worry about the future. When you read the Bible, you find there are confidence. You are a son or a daughter of God in, in Christ. You read the text. I'm Ukrainian brothers and sisters, they're going to find, they're going to find gospel courage read the Bible and why do you go through it each year? Because your knowledge of God will increase and your growth will continue to happen and your soul will be nourished and you will be changed. You will grow into maturity. There becomes then in you a certain depth and texture to your Christianity because you've lived a little while and YOU'VE SEEN HOW GOD WORKED IN HIS WORD. PAUL TOLD TIMOTHY THAT THE SCRIPTURES ARE WISE, THEY'RE THERE TO MAKE YOU WISE FOR SALVATION. THE BIBLE IS, GOD'S WORD it's LIVING AND ACTIVE, VERSE 12, IT'S, IT'S PIERCING, IT'S PENETRATING, IT'S SHARPER THAN ANY TWO-EDGED SWORD. AND THE WRITER THERE GIVES US THIS POETIC STATEMENT ABOUT THE POWER OF GOD'S WORD TO GET THROUGH THE, the MOST CALLOUS, THIS IS WHY WE DO EXPOSITIONAL PREACHING. SO YOU'RE not, I'M NOT UP HERE TELLING YOU STORIES, because the power is in the Word. that it has the ability to pierce through the, the, the most calloused. You might be the hardest person in here, but God takes His Word and comes into your heart. God's Word cuts through anything. When God wills it, His Word will accomplish it. His Word, verse 12, is discerning. That word uh, discerning is where we get the word critic. That is to say it, it looks in. And then once you hear the word critic in verse 12, notice the shifting in verse 13. Shifting from the word of God as something that sounds like the Bible to showing us that he's actually talking about God. You see it in verse 13? No creature is hidden from his sight. Here is God himself. And the intrinsic link between God's word and God himself. And and verse 13 says... Verse 13 says that there's no creature that is hidden from his sight, but we are all naked and exposed. That word exposed is the word where we, uh, it's trachea. It's where we get the word neck. It, it means to, it, it, we don't know if it means to a wrestler pulling a guy's chin back and having his neck exposed, or if it's just being vulnerable. Either way, the idea is this total dependence on God to give you life. And the Word, here's how you're going to rest in Christ. The Word shows us the supreme majesty of God, the utter sinfulness of our lives, and the amazing grace that is ours at the cross. And we run there and we rest there. I'm going to ask you to work for that rest. I want you to make it a priority, Lord's Day. Lord's Day worship, to be with your family, the family of God at Hickory Grove on the Lord's Day worshiping. You need to be here together to fellowship, to sing, to pray, to have the Bible preached, to to get a sense of, of strength to have your soul ministered to. I'm going to ask you to commit even today to the daily washing of God's Word that you will commit even today. You've tried it and Maybe you fell off, it's February here. You pick it back up. Let's, let's get back into the Word and just spend some time having your soul cleansed by God's Word. I'm going I'm to challenge you to find somebody, whether it's in your community group or somebody close to you, that's a Christian that you can be daily accountable to for striving together to find ourselves satisfied in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are at war. We need to get the right things right. As we close together, I'd like to ask you, what do you fear? Just bow with me right now, just in a moment of prayer. What do you fear most? Sitting in this room right now, I'm going to ask you, have you received the free grace of God found in Jesus Christ, found at the cross? Maybe you have. Maybe that, that's you completely. Let me ask you this then. Are you, have you become a complacent Christian? Maybe that's not you at all. You actually right now are growing more than you ever have, and I, we celebrate that. Then who, who do you need to check on to have an uncomfortable conversation with? A lot of you here today are very busy. Your life is busy, and it certainly is. What are you actually busy with? What are you working hard at? Are you known for the fruit of the Spirit? Love and, and joy? You bring peace. Would your spouse say patience, gentleness, and self control? Are you cultivating a love for God and his people? Are you today hanging on to joy that is in Christ? Are you ready for God to help you? We have another song here. It's our final worship song. It's a good time to ask somebody to help you. Our pastors are all sitting on the front row. When we're singing it, if you'd like to come forward and have someone pray with you or pray for you, our pastors are are glad to do that. Maybe the conversation is longer. Maybe you need to talk about what it means to give your life to Christ. We we don't want to cheat that conversation. We want to be able to, to talk through whatever the issues are so that you might be confident and secure in the rest, the rest that's found in Christ. If God has spoken to your heart this morning, we'll invite you to come forward. Father, thank you for your word that is good for your people that have assembled. We pray that your spirit would move, that you would find us faithful, that you will be honored with your church. Call people unto yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. you stand please and we sing together?